Yo, this is Pastor Tito, and welcome to another episode of the Revolutionary Podcast. Yo, so today we are going to look and examine a form of reading the Bible that is very important. Because when we read the Bible, we have to understand the original context in order to understand the present context. And a lot of times what's hard is when we read the Bible, we're not sure if what we're reading is narrative, which we're just reading, this is what it is, or is it normative? Is this what should happen all the time? And one of the biggest things that is debated right now is, can I hear the voice of God? Last week, we talked about a very important topic, and I told you it was a part one of a, of a two-parter, where we're going to focus specifically on this thing called hearing God's voice, all right? That is a big thing out there when it comes to books and, and sermons, and, and there's resource after resource out there of what is God's voice and how do you hear it, and it is a really controversial topic. It is, because there's a lot of opinions out there when it comes to hearing God's voice. And the reason why everyone loves to buy these kind of books and we just eat up these kind of messages and, or blogs and, and YouTube videos is because there is a growing anxiety. And those, a lot of people share it. The reason why people want to know what is God's voice because there's a growing anxiety to hear it specifically for making decisions. So I'm sure if you are a Christian, you're a believer, I'm sure you've done this. Now, and there's nothing wrong with that. But have you ever prayed uh, to God and said, Lord, help me make a decision? I need to know, do I move? Do I stay? Do I go here? Do I go there? Right? Yeah, if, if you're, anybody ever done that before? I'm, I'm sure some of, there's, there's probably people, whether in the room or online, that you've never... Um, uh, you've done that, and you're not sure if you're a believer, but you've prayed those prayers before, right? People, we do this. We, we seek that higher power for guidance in our lives. And is there anything wrong with that? No. But the anxiety tends to grow when you hear certain people say, well, God spoke to me. I'm like, really? What does he sound like? Right? For some people that are like that, well, God said this to me, and God said this, and the other day I was talking to God, and God talked to me. And then there's a lot of people. Some of you are probably, I guarantee you that you're in this room, that uh, there's a sense of, I don't get that. How? Why? How come? Is there something wrong with me? Why, you know, how come that person gets to hear it and not me? And, and how come they get all these experiences and not me? And so there's that, that anxiety, and that's why people love to buy these books because they want to be able to overcome that. But the reality is, guys, is I want you just to, to look at this. If we want to ask and seek the voice of God for our decisions, can we just be honest? And it's kind of hard to really process just what decision qualifies one that needs to be brought before God, right? Do you guys know that you and I make a th thousands of decisions a day? A day. Right now, you've all decided whether to pay attention to me or not or believe me or not, right? That, look, you just made, and right now, you're like, you've made another decision on your reaction to me, right? And then another one, all right? That's just the reality, guys. You and I make thousands of unconscious decisions every day. 
And so which ones qualify for God's voice? And if we need to hear God's voice, because this is one that sometimes gets put out there, and this is why I want to speak to this anxiety, because there's, there's things out there and there's a lot of stuff which communicators say you need to hear God's voice to, for guiding in your life. You need it. Every single day you need it. But again, you and I don't stop making decisions from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed. And so then how do we do that without feeling exhausted or, or, or just constantly, you know, distracted, right? Because what if there was one little simple decision that you think is not important, but that one decision could have put you at the right place at the right time for God to use you in a mighty way. But you know what? Because you went, you chose to go to Starbucks instead of Dunkin' Donuts, someone's going to hell, right? No, right? Because, oh, you should have gone to Starbucks instead because there was somebody there that God was going to use, God was going to use you to speak to that person. But because you didn't, now look what happened. No. So that doesn't work like that. And then so what, what decisions to qualify? Now, here's the thing, though. Let's be real. I'm already going to go at you. Right? I think this is just jet lag speaking. Um, we only want to hear God's voice for our own self-affirmation. God, what do you want? I, I need to do this, so you tell me what I need to do. And, and, and even that doesn't sound selfish, but it kind of does. And that's the thing about pride, guys. Pride, it doesn't feel prideful. Pride, it doesn't sound prideful. That's why it's called pride, okay? And a lot of times we seek only for us to be benefited. Now, I've heard this prayer. I, I like this prayer. Someone said, um, I, I this comment on prayer. Someone said, I think it was Andy Stanley. I think he said this. It's like, if God answered all of your prayers that you've been praying over the last week, who other than you would be happy? Think about that. Because it's very easy for us to pray for me, right? I need, I need, God help me, help me, help me, help me. So if God answered all of your prayers that you've prayed this week, who other than you would be happy? And if, it's, if you're having a hard time to think about it, then there we go. You see what I'm saying? Because it is so easy for us to be so self-focused. And so last week we talked about, when it came to hearing God's voice, we talked about what is his voice. So you saw a little bit there. What is his voice is his word. Right? What does God communicate with his, with his voice? He communicates truth. And what is truth? His word. So we talked about how this is not a lesser voice. This is his voice. This is his voice. But if we now we know what it is, then how do we hear it? Both in here and out there. Okay? And so we're going to look at, we're going to re-examine the same text we were in last week. We're going to look at the same section, Acts 21, to learn what God's word has to say about hearing God's voice regarding making decisions. So let's read Acts 21. We're going to read the whole story. Again, for those, if you weren't here last week, the context, Paul is on his farewell tour. He is a, an apostle that God used in many different ways for years now. During this time, as we're reading the documentary, really, of the beginning of the church, which is the book of Acts. It's nothing but a documentary. Super cool. And in it, this is now the third missionary, third missionary stint that uh, Paul was in. He's wrapping it up, and he's going to all the different places that he's made friends, and God has used him. And so he's doing this farewell tour, and then we're going to pick up now in verse, chapter 21, verse 1. So here we go. After we tore ourselves away from them. Again, this was a, a very heartfelt goodbye from a group of people that he had spent almost three years with, okay? So you can see there, man, we tore ourselves away from them because there was a next to go. 
We tore ourselves away from them. We set sail straight to Kos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre, since the ship was to unload its cargo there. Now, that may sound boring, but what's super cool about travel logs like this is that uh, we, we can go back and, and this sequence of events actually makes a lot of sense in ancient history. So it's pretty cool. So there is no word that is wasted here. And so we sought out the disciples who were staying there in Tyre, and we stayed there for a week, seven days. Now here, check this out. Through the Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit of the living God spoke, or we don't know if he spoke, we just showed, they, he showed them this. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey. While, while uh, all of them, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship and returned home. When we completed our voyage uh, from Tyre, we reached uh, Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for just one day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea, where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven that we read earlier in the, I think it was uh, earlier in Acts, earlier this year. Uh, he was one of the seven, and this man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. So there's an interesting detail there. After we had been there for several days, uh, another prophet, so here's a guy named Agabus. He, this is the second time he's shown up in the book of Acts. He came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied it on his, uh, with his own hands and feet, and said this. This is what the Holy Spirit says. In the way the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, both we, so Luke is including himself in this. Luke is the author. We and the local people pleaded with him not to go. Don't go, Paul. Don't go. Don't go. Again, it's very much like the Christians in Tyre. Paul, don't go. Don't go. Don't go. The Holy Spirit showed us something bad is going to happen to you. Don't go. Paul replies, what are you doing? You're weeping. You're breaking my heart. All right, look at that. You're breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And so Luke concludes, since he would not be persuaded by Luke himself, which is his boy. We said no more except, can we all say it again? The Lord's will be done. So let's just process this for a second, guys. All right. Now notice, all right. Notice just, um, we're going to look at a different angle here. We don't know how, okay. We do not know how God communicated this detail with people. We don't know how Agabus came to know that something bad is going to happen to Paul, which uh, just hang with us. If, uh, you know, with the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what happened. Actually, next week, we're going to talk about that. Um, we're going to see a little bit of a sequence, a little domino change going, a domino chain going now. But listen, we don't know how Agabus heard. We don't know how he heard it. We don't know how the, um, the Christians in Tyre heard it. We don't know. All right, and Paul himself, if you've read this, which there was a section we had to gloss over a couple weeks ago, Paul himself knew this already. Paul had already been shown by the Lord for some time now. For, I mean, as some assume maybe a year or two, maybe a little more. It's kind of hard to tell. But he already knew, for, and we don't know how, 
but that the Holy Spirit revealed to him that something is going to happen to him. And this was part of his destiny, that he needed to go to Rome to do something. That was part of God's plan for his life. He needed to go to Rome, but he had to go to Jerusalem and something bad was going to happen. And it says that chains and affliction await me. But yeah, you see his, his resolve. He knows this. And what was his response? Right? His response is, bro, I don't, I'm ready to die. If that's what it takes, I'm ready to die. If that is my call, if that is my purpose in life. Now, I know a lot of us, we ask, and Lord, what is your purpose in my life? How would you feel if God showed you, all right, you want your purpose? All right, you are going to give your life, literally you're going to have to lay it down, and you're going to die earlier than you want to. You got another one in the back? <laughs> you know, it's like, do I do I? It's like, do I have to have that one? You know, don't got options. I mean, when I go to, you know, McDonald's, I, 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 you know, I can get a number four, I can get a number five. You know, you got some other options but that one, bro? Is that the one that's for me? Why, you know? Why me? How come? Well, again, we don't know. Here's the thing. We do not know how everybody in this story heard from the Holy Spirit. But isn't it interesting that a lot of people did, right? You see that? And they, they all got detail. Not everyone did. Not everyone, some people here, some people there, they all heard. But you know what's crazy to me? I don't know if you noticed and picked it up. There's a lot of people that heard God's voice, right? Ish. God revealed something. We don't know how they heard, but we do know how they all responded. And all but Paul responded well. Tyre, the Christians in Tyre, Agabus, this prophet Agabus, and some consider, when Luke said, I don't know if you caught it, us and all of the local people were telling him, don't go. Some think that the, the four daughters of Philip who were, evangel uh, who were prophets were included in this as well. All of these people heard God's word well, but they all discerned wrong. They all said, <clears throat> It's not God's will for you to go. It's not God's will for you to go. It's not God's will for you to go, Paul. Something bad's going to happen. Something bad's going to happen. Don't go. Paul's like, guys, you, you got to chill out. You got to chill out. Luke, too. Look at the humility in Luke. When Luke admitted, guys, I was in the crew that was telling Paul not to go. And Luke's going to write the rest of the story, and he's going to see how God used that unfortunate circumstance later. So look at Luke's humility. You don't think that later on he'd be like, you know what, I'm the one who's writing this. So me and Paul said, <laughs> you know, it's like, I'm not going to say me too. I'm not going to admit that I was wrong. Guys, Luke, who was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the scriptures, Agabus, who was a prophet, other people here who had a prophetic gifting discerned from the Lord accurately, but they interpreted it wrong. So that is, that's where we're at today. Guys, it is very possible for you to hear God and assume something wrong. If they did it, guys, you and I can too. You feel me on that? So then what do we do? Because that, that's what we want to avoid. Right? We don't want to discern poorly. We don't want to discern poorly. So how, how should we respond to what we hear? And that's the problem, guys, is you and I have a difficulty on responding to what we hear. And forget this inner voice or forget this revelation. Guys, look right here. You and I, how many of us, me included, we hear these words and arrive at er erroneous conclusions. And it's right here. See, even this, 
And so there's a one that says, um, when we're talking about how do we respond to hearing God's voice, well, do we and can we? There's these verses that are, are said, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this one before. Uh, he who has ears, let him hear. Anyone ever heard of that one before? That's in the Bible, 15 times in the New Testament. He who has an ear, let him hear. Now, what people say and assume is, well, see, if you have an ear, that means, you know, the Holy Spirit's talking. And so if you have ears, hear, because he's talking to you. And one very popular preacher says, and he has a book, it says, God's always talking. It's like the radio signal right now. You guys know that the radio, there's radio frequencies right now where we are, where you are online. And all you have to do is just tune in and you're going to hear a voice that is talking right now, right? And so there's, there's assumptions that God has not only spoken here, but God is still speaking. And what you need to do is tune your heart to the frequency of the Holy Spirit. And then, boom, now you're going to hear God. He's been talking the whole time. He doesn't stop. And so is that what that means, guys? No. Because every time the scripture says in those 15 times, he who has an ear, let him hear. Every time it is used, it's referencing what was just previously said. Meaning here. So something is spoken. It is written down. And he says, hey, make sure. By the way, when that phrase says, he who has an ear, let him hear. That's the Holy Spirit saying, slow down and pay attention. Pay attention to what you think you're hearing. Slow down, process. And that shouldn't be just for the times we see it. That's for all of it, guys. That's for all of it. And so we got to be very cautious of this. And I'm like, are we truly hearing this right here? Are we truly hearing this? It starts there. All right, well, Pastor, what about John? I'm going to be my own devil's advocate today, all right? So what about John 10? Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice. By the way, I got like a dozen Bible verses for you, so you can come and take a, you know, I'll post it if you want to ask me. I'll get them to you later. But in John 10, 27, I, I don't want you guys to, you know, take notes for sure always, but, you know, you can always get it later. John 10, 27, Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me. See, there, see, if you're a Christian, then you will know the voice of Jesus and he will show you what to do and you will follow him. And Jesus himself said in John 4, previous to this, he who is of God hears God's words. Settled, see, gotcha, pastor, checkmate. See, you can hear God's voice all of the time. Slow down, my boy, all right? Because when Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me. That speaks of responding to salvation call. That, that speaks to responding to the truth. With the words, when Jesus says, they hear my words. He later says, I gave my, he was praying to the father in the garden saying, I gave my disciples, Lord, I gave, you, I gave them your words. I showed, that's it. I was like, Mina, I'm done talking. Like, I've said what I needed to say to them. They have enough. And so what is he saying there? Does that mean God doesn't talk anymore? No, chill out. Because again, this is a spoken word that still speaks. And so when he says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them. He who is of God hears my voice. They're mine. This is speaking of, of salvation call. This is us responding to the voice, the calling of God to put our trust in him. It's, it's about salvation because then there's this other one. Jesus said in, in, John 4, in John 8, he says, He who is uh, of God hears God's words. Those who don't hear, don't believe. And so again, he's making a distinction there. Meaning, if you believe, 
It's because you are responding to the truth of God that is tugging at your heart. And so if you don't believe, you don't hear. Now, does that, again, that means you're in, you're out. So, oh, if I don't hear God, that means I'm not saved? No. Again, he's talking about that. Remember, he who has an ear, let him hear, right? And so they're saved like, all right, well, I don't need God. I don't need Jesus. So they don't believe they're not his. But those who respond to that voice, respond to the truth, they are now saved. And so, so when it comes to this, guys, see, even there, we got to be very cautious about how we respond to God's word. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to look at some examples. So let's really see, have we been really listening to what God has been saying? Or are we making assumptions by little things here. So for those of you, if you are uh, not familiar with the Bible, this is going to be a great approach for you to be able to help you on how to read, how to be able to process, and how do we hear God's voice. And so there's this, but what about words of knowledge and words of wisdom? Because those aren't in here. And that is a spiritual gift. So some of you, if you're not familiar with this, the, the Holy Spirit of the living God does desire to give spiritual gifts to Christians. Meaning that there is something that the Holy Spirit does, and he says he disperses these gifts at his will. So you can't go and gain this gift. You can't go somewhere and earn it and level up. This is not a skill that you go to a school like that and you can obtain whatever gift you want. Like, again, you're going to like Golden Corral, right? It's like, I want that one, that one, not this, right? It's not like a restaurant. It's not a buffet, okay? The Holy Spirit gives gifts. And the reason is, is because this, it's, um, we're supposed to rely on one another. This is why the church matters so much, right? Not, there's not one person that will operate in every gift, because if you could operate in all the gifts, why would you need your brother and a sister? You're on your own. And so the Holy Spirit purposely says, you know what? I'm going to do something supernatural in you, in you, in you, in you, in you, in you, which will force you to A, get to know each other, B, do life together. It's, a, it's forcing you to do that. So that means that there's certain things, and that's a big confusion because there's a lot of these gifts that some people say, well, there's gifts that God gives to some people, but then at the same time, there's a version of that gift that everybody should get. And there's a, there's a truest, truism to that. But guys, these supernatural gifts also are not your ability, all right? They're not your talents. Because listen, if you were talented before you were a Christian, that's not a spiritual gift. That's just talent. That's just ability, Okay? This is something supernatural that you can't do. Now, there is two of these supernatural gifts that could be controversial. There are words of knowledge and words of wisdom. Sometimes the Holy Spirit, this is a word of knowledge, would get you, help you to understand something and see something that there is no reason why you would know that detail. None. You wouldn't know it for any other reason. There's no way you could have figured it out. There's no way you could have, you know, processed and discerned and connected all the dots. No, the Holy Spirit sometimes providentially will give an individual a word of knowledge for you to be able. And by the way, all of these gifts are so that you can build up someone else in the faith or to, or to communicate. So again, it's not for you. It's for the betterment of someone else. So a word of knowledge is that. It's just literally something that God will show you. And that you see that you, and you know, that, that could be a detail that you can communicate to somebody. I'm like, how did you know that? Or, you know, and that, that could then lead you to, check this out, a word of wisdom. And now wisdom speaks of action, right? Wisdom is that. A word of wisdom is now something that the Holy Spirit is just revealing to you saying, you need to do this. And this is wise. This is right. Now, again, 
we can, um, this is not for everybody. The Holy Spirit just does not do this for everyone. All right, he'll do it, you know, in people. And again, it's, it's his gift. So it's not something we wield at will. You know, there's not one person that has a word of knowledge that now can mind read you at will, at command. It doesn't work like that. And so there is something. What, what do we do with that? How can we discern when we're called to follow Christ? Are we really hearing all of this stuff in order to truly do? What, what do we do with all this? So let's look. So I'm going to give you a ton of verses, but we're just going to skip around. Colossians, Paul says to the Christians in Colossians. Look at this right here. I'm going to, I'm going to drop some of these. I know it. Colossians, check this out. He speaks of this understanding of who, of this truth. And in Colossians 2.28, Paul is saying this about Jesus. In Colossians 2, did I miswrite it? Yes, I did. Look at that. See, I'm telling you, my jet lag is for real. Colossians 2.28 does not exist. That's how you know I did it right. There is no Colossians 2.28. Oh, that's embarrassing. So anyways, it's in there, I swear. I did read it. So in Colossians, he says that all wisdom and knowledge. How much is all? 50%, you 50%, 70%, 99.9%. It's all. All wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ Jesus. So, and what is Christ Jesus? His word. So now we're back to this again. But then again, when we look at this, you know, there's not going to be the details like, Lord, you know, who should I marry? And then you're flipping to look for names. No, it doesn't work like that, you know? What school should I go to? What should I study? And you're flipping for names, right? And David was a shepherd. No, I don't want that job. All right, and so, no, you don't do that. And so... But I want you to understand, if we're looking for wisdom and knowledge, all wisdom and knowledge is found in Christ. And that is found in his word, so that's important. And then Paul says this, so we're talking about scripture. Paul tells Timothy, this is at the end of his life, which we're going to get to really soon. And at some point at the end of the book of Acts, Paul is writing to uh, Timothy, who he's been coaching and encouraging for some time now. He says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, let's see if I wrote this one right. He says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture, again, the word of God, all scripture is inspired by God and it is profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Check this out. So that the man of God may be completely, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So you see here, so it's like, guys, look, if you want to live for the Lord, you have to also understand, if you're a Christian, you got to understand that this word is enough to do the work. You hear me on that? This word is enough to do the work. That's an important starting place. But again, how do we then discern words of wisdom, words of knowledge here? When we look at this, well, John tells us to test it. In 1 John 4, 1, he says, test the spirit, test the truth, test what you are hearing Make sure, like a hearing test, right? We've done those. You all done a hearing test, right? You, you raise your hand, left and right. Right, that, that one, this one, right? You try to do that. That's what we're called to do. And now here's the test. Now, I just learned this this week, so I'm going to share it with you guys. I love just the simplicity of it. Here's how not to hear God's word. If, 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 if you read something, and if you think you heard something, but let's just say you read it. Because sometimes the Holy Spirit will reveal truth to you that you've read before, and you're just processing it differently. But if what you hear and read and see, if it is plain, if it is pragmatic, and if it is painless, you didn't hear well. I'm going to say it again. If it was plain, pragmatic, and painless, you did not hear God's word well. Let me explain. 
if, you're, if you read a Bible verse and you read it and in two seconds you're like, oh, that's what it means. That's the plain understanding. No, that was easy. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, there, there could be some things that are plain and basic, but that's not where you just, that, that's just a starting block. Okay. Because if you just live in the plain, all right, things aren't going to work. All right. And so you, you don't want to just go for that because God's word, it, it is, it's like a pool that's very shallow that even a, you know, a baby can, uh, can dive in, but it's so deep as, at the same time. That And so you got to be cautious with the plain readings of those things. And much of our devotionals are that, right? You read a Bible verse, you put it down, thank you, Jesus. It was like a two, second, two seconds of thought, and then now you're going to run with your day. No, okay? The plain is not the best way of hearing. Uh, a lot of times it's complicated. And this is why I always encourage you guys, ask questions. This is why when we read and when I preach, I ask questions. Like, chew on this stuff chew on it really and so that's part of it the plain one now if you read the plain and pragmatic pragmatic means it just works and so a lot of times we read something i'm like oh okay that's how that works all right cool got it done moving on pig be careful because a lot of times when god a lot his word isn't necessarily easy to do all right it's not like plug and play like oh that's all i gotta do Boom, put it in the machine push the button i got what i want all right? That's what pragmatic means. No, because a lot of times God's word doesn't necessarily work the way you want it to work. And here's the last one was painless. If you read something and all you do, if you're only reading of scripture is painless and it just always just feels good and it's always inspiring and gives you the goosies, right? And all those things, you're not reading it well because God's word is salt. It's not plain. All right. I don't know if you like your crackers plain or salty. All right. That's a different debate. But God's word is salt. You guys ever, I know in Florida, you know, we live here. You ever walked into the beach with a cut and you felt the sting, right? You ever had that happen? See, when you read God's word, there has to be a sting to it. There has to be a sting. This is something, a book that we are called to eat, but it eats away at us. When we take a bite out of this to process it, it bites back. It should. It should bite back. Because if all you do is see, all right, what's the easy thing that I can do? The plain, the simple, the painless. You're not hearing it well. I said a minute ago, because for last week I said, for the Holy Spirit to change you, he has to challenge you. And so when you read scripture, sometimes it's going to sting. When you mean like, oh, that's what that is? That's not what I want it to be. Oh, this is more complicated than I thought. It's not as plain as I thought. There's more to it. It's more complicated. Wait a minute. It's not pragmatic. It's not just as simple as that. There's, there's more to it. Why does it have to be that way? And then again, the, pain, the painful thing in the sense of, hey, God's, gonna, uh, God's going to address your selfishness, your, 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 un, your unchecked sin, your pride. Why? Because he hates you? No, it's because he loves you and he wants to help you oh, get away from that. That's pruning right? There's some pruning that has to happen. And so when you hear, you don't want to just jump to those three things. And here's then the other thing. How do we test it? Well, is it plain? Is it pragmatic? Does it, is it easy, right, to work? And is it painless? That's one way to test. And if, it, if you've checked off all those boxes, go back. You didn't hear well. You didn't hear well. Do it again. You didn't hear well, all right? And the other thing is this. We should, when we want to make decisions in life, we look at God's Word. And I'm like, all right, Lord, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? You test 
Even this, if you feel like you're hearing something or someone said something, you test it according to two things as well. God's moral standard and godly wisdom. And where can we find God's moral standard and godly wisdom? Here. Guys, we have story after story. Have you ever wondered why so much of the Bible is story? Because we get examples, good and negative examples. Look, this person did this and look how it ended up for him. He thought he was doing it right. And look what happened. You know, we get, I mean, look at what today, Luke himself, we have his example of he heard God word. He heard clearly. He heard a prophetic word clearly. Something bad's going to happen to Paul, but he assumed wrongly. Oh, that's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. And so see, guys, that is something that we must understand. And so if, if, God, if you want to do something in life, compare it to God's moral standard. Is it a sin to do this? Well, no, I don't think so. And then is it, okay, well, it, it could not be sinful, but then is it wise to do? That's another one. See, you can do something that's not sinful and it just not be wise, right? And, and so that's, it's good to think through it. And by the way, you shouldn't do this alone. This is why God's word should be read with God's people. And this is why wisdom, you know what one of the wisdom sayings in, the, in this book it says? Godly counsel is how you seek wisdom. Having friends, brothers, sisters that you can pray with and check with, hey, I'm thinking about this, what do you think? And, and just inviting a certain core of people that love you enough to tell you the truth. Not love you enough just to tell you what you want to hear. Because if all they do is tell you what you want to hear, they don't love you, they love themselves. They don't love you if they, don't, if they only tell you what you want to hear. All right? They're, it's not. And so that's an important one. And so that's what we test. So let, let's go. I'm going to run this. All right? So let's go. See, I'm, I'm starting to wake up now. All right, here we go. So what do you do? All right, I got God's word. I got his moral standard. I, I got the wisdom. Okay, I think that. Okay, but what do I do then if somebody has a prophetic word? If somebody tells me, hey, I, I think the Holy Spirit's showing me something, or I think God is, you know, if they pull that card on you, right? The Lord says, okay, they pull that card on you. What, what do I do with that? What do I do when, when a person or a preacher or a prophet does that? Now, are there prophets today? That's a big debate, all right? Because there's the, this question I like saying, okay, if God gives people, let's say if God has a prophetic word with somebody, right? There's just an individual within our church that, or a couple of individuals within our church that God tends to give more prophetic words of knowledge and wisdom than others. Do we just label them a prophet all, all together? That's, that's a big debate. Because if we're going to do that, how come, you know, the only titles that we care about is apostles and prophets and we don't, uh, and we pursue those gifts, but we never put the energy on. There's a gift called help. All right. You know, like, and so I, you know, hello, I'm, my name is, uh, you know, you, you'll hear those, right? I'm apostle John, like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm prophet, you know, Jose or whatever. Right. And they, they love those titles. Um, and I'm not saying that God's not using them, but you know, we love the titles, but we never hear, hello, my name is helping Hank. You know, that that's what I do. I'm, I'm a helper. You know, hello, you know, hello. Uh, you know, I, I am, uh, what's another one that we do? Um, mercy. Hello, I'm Mercy Mary. That's my name. You know, that's my title. That's my gift. And so it's, it's my gift. So it's my title. Again, be careful with the title things. Okay. Be careful with the title things, but God can, and we see it that God does give people prophetic words and, and God is sometimes will reveal something again, a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom to help you or to help somebody else grow in their faith. So what do you do with that? Well, again, you test it. 
right? We test it according to God's moral standard. We test it according to godly wisdom. Paul himself, when he was wrestling with this, and every time we've looked in the book of Acts, when, hey, God, he got a dream or an impression, it was together that they discerned. Together we resolved. And so it was not alone. So that's an important thing. So be careful with the titles and be careful, guys, with treating people like their Holy Spirit. Because sometimes that happens a lot where you have somebody who's like, man, this person, this person, God's just, God always has a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom for that person. And if that's you and you got that and you feel like, man, I don't know, sometimes I just talk and I'm just landing and I'm just, it's not me. And you know it's not you. Be careful because you don't want to then use that as a weapon. Because God can give you a gift that you can turn and use it as a weapon. Because again, look at all these people. They all said, thus saith the Lord, and they heard well. But look at these, these prophets interpreted it poorly. Agabus, Agabus went a little too far and all these other guys went too far. Because in essence, they were saying, they, they discerned and they interpreted the word of God for Paul, for Paul. So guys, if you get a word of wisdom from somebody, if you get a word of knowledge, don't assume because it could be tainted. You hear me on that? So don't, don't run with it. Guys, I've seen lives destroyed because someone put a thus saith the Lord on it and they ran it like if it was scripture, applied it to their life and got wrecked because they didn't pause to think, is that wise? Is that truly? Because look at, look at this example. If Paul would have discerned, they're all telling me don't go because the Holy Spirit's telling and Paul doesn't go, Paul doesn't finish what God had for him in his life. So it is very possible, and I would put more likely, I would, I would default to maybe somebody heard right, but they didn't hear fully. Assume that they interpreted, that they're putting their interpretation or they're reacting emotionally to what they've heard and seen. You feel me? So warning, warning on that one, warning on that one. And by the way, um, don't just do this with somebody who says the Lord says, do it with somebody who says the Bible says, i.e. me. There's no, I am prophesying to you right now. Because prophecy, I know we think prophecy is telling the future, but prophecy is just telling truth, right? Now, if, if God showed something and says, hey, this is going to happen, that's future truth. But hey, when you tell the scriptures, that is prophecy as well. Paul himself said in one of the letters to a church, he says, when an unbeliever shows up in your church and everybody is prophesying, will that person not say, man, God is in this house? So is he saying when everybody is predicting the future, they will know, whoo, man, God is in this house. No. He's saying, when all of you are declaring the truths of God, they're going to hear it and won't they respond? Yo, something is in the room. Guys, I heard that today. I have to pause and say, that was beautiful. At the end of the first song that we sang today, let me tell you, I, I got to hype y'all up online. I'm just going to assume you did it too. So I'm just going to give you the credit, even though I wasn't there. Guys, at the end of the second song today, you know what I didn't hear? Silence. You know what I did hear after the music was done? People praying. It was a, it was a handful of you guys, about maybe 25% of you, that kept going out loud. He kept saying, Lord, we, and you're declaring the truths of God out loud without a song. Now, for those of you that didn't do it, I'm not shaming you, all right? Because maybe you were doing it internally. So I'm not saying that. But guys, that is beautiful. 
that, that you were doing that. Because again, if you're, you don't know, maybe God is, is working on your life and you are sharing and you're just expressing that and you don't know the person behind you like saying, what the, how did, I, that's speaking into my situation. Or when we do small groups and they say, man, God's been wrecking me on this verse and he's really been showing me this. Yeah, man, me too. And then you have somebody, I'm like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, that's, it. that's speaking exactly to where I'm at right now. If you've ever been in a sermon where it feels like, hey, the preacher was only talking to you. You see what I'm feeling? You see what I'm saying? But anyways, even with me though, guys, even with me, don't just because I said it, run with it. And I'm like, oh, well, Tito said it, it's done. That means if, you know, him and God are cool. I try, if Tito said it, then I must, Jesus must have said it exactly. No, because even my understanding can be in part. I only know in part. Now, I'm trying to grow in that understanding, and I, I'm being very cautious of that. So I'm just telling you, you're tracking with me? So be careful when someone throws a Bible verse at you or throws a prophetic word at you because you got to do the work to check and test it for yourself because you can run with an interpretation from a preacher, you can run from an interpretation from a prophet, and you could shipwreck your faith. So be careful with that. Can you? Yes, but again, we... Is it plain, pragmatic, painless? How does it check against God's moral standard and godly wisdom? Okay, what about dreams? Pastor, doesn't God give dreams? Doesn't God give visions? Well, we see it in here. Yeah, we see dreams and visions. We don't see dreams and visions often. We see them randomly. And so I could argue and say, can God and does God give dreams and visions? He can give a word of knowledge or word of wisdom as a dream or as a vision. All right, yes, he can. But again, be, are you really hearing what you're hearing or do you, are you really seeing what you're seeing? You see what I'm saying? Like, the, to be careful not to rush and jump the gun because you could see something bad and assume, oh no, you know, that's not God. And uh, no, because look at this right there. So just be careful. And my, my thing, I've said this before, I'll say it again. Guys, if you're putting more energy in, in trying to interpret every single dream you ever have and you're not putting that same energy in interpreting God's word, you got, you're off, you got a problem. I'm just sorry. You got a problem. If you want to interpret that voice, but you don't want to interpret this one, you're off. You're, you're out of bounds. Okay? So put that energy where it is. Can it? Yes. And if you feel like there is a dream, then, hey, run it. Is, is your understanding and interpretation of that dream, is it, pain, is it plain? Is it pragmatic? Is it painless? How does it compare to God's moral standard? How does it compare to God's moral word? And you check it with brothers and sisters and let them check you. That's how you can see, oh, well, maybe there is and maybe there's not. But I would argue to say that this is, um, you know, God, uh, this is not normative, meaning this is not a regular. God's not going to give you dreams on a daily, on a weekly, all right? Uh, because then if not, then, you know, I, I would be taking more naps than, than normal. If that's God's preferred way of talking, then we should be sleeping more than we should. Right? If that's the case, if it's just in dreams. But anyways, what about, okay, all right, here we go. God, Pastor, what about if God gives, these are words that people use in books. Sometimes God nudges and, and gives impressions and promptings and, and leadings. And sometimes he, he speaks in a still, small voice. What about those? I'm glad you asked. Okay, so, so that right there, I've read from a very big name author, one, a pastor, one of, the, you know, uh, one of the largest churches in America, and he wrote a book and speaks on this, and he says, God's preferred way of talking to you is through the inner voice, his inner voice. That's his preferred way of communicating to you. This is nice. This is where you start, but you, again, level up to the inner. Now, in my, I'm just going to tell you with my heart, and then you can do the work and the testing. In my heart, I would say that's an exaggeration. 
in this, if you're going to say that there's something else outside that you need this and that, right? Because again, even the ones that are used, like there's so many Bible verses that are used about this, that God leading you through promptings, impressions. Um, Here's the thing, guys. There's very, uh, you don't have to be prophetic to recognize patterns, okay? You don't have to be prophetic to recognize patterns. You can see, you know what? Well, I'm just using logic. If you live like that, this is going to happen to you. I'm being prophetic because I'm telling you the truth, not because the God is showing me. It's because uh, it's what happens, right? That's normal. You don't have to be prophetic to recognize patterns. But, um, and God, by the way, there's some very wicked, not God, non-godly people that got great intuition. They just have a great sense of, of business intuition or personal intuition. There's just people who just have that. And so can a non-believer operate in the gift of the Spirit? Can a non-believer hear the voice of God in that way? Well, Jesus said, well, no, if they don't believe, they don't hear. And so what do we do with that? And so let me give you this one, right? Here's one. Have you ever heard of Romans 8? 14. Romans 8, 14, he's telling the Romans there, and he says this, for all those who, all those led by the Holy Spirit are God's sons and daughters. See, pastor, if you are a believer, you're a son and daughter. That means God will lead you in your life. He will lead you in what to do, what not to do, like a GPS. He's going to lead you, turn left, turn right, recalculating. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Is that what he's saying? Are we hearing it well? In that verse, that if you are a son and daughter of God, he leads you. There's another verse that says the same thing. Galatians, uh, we'll get to that one. But guys, look at the context. Ready? I'm going to read the verses before and after. Here's verse 12 right before that. Sons and daughters, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh, meaning our sinful nature, to live according to our sinful nature. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body and you will live. For all those who are led by God, Spirit, are God's sons. So what is he saying? Is he saying that the Holy Spirit will lead you in decision making? No. He's saying the Holy Spirit is going to lead you in holy living. That's the context of that verse. That the Holy Spirit will will encourage you to not live and be led by the flesh. Meaning be led by your sinful desires. But rather to be led by the Spirit's desires. Which is to learn to live holy. It is about holy living, not decision making. Look at another one. Galatians. Let me fill it. Galatians 5 is another one. He says, uh, same thing. Galatians 5.18. A similar one. It says this, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. See, there it is. There's another one. God leads us in the Holy Spirit. Again, it's, he's our GPS, right? And people have used that. GPS, God's positioning system, right? Whatever. They use the acronym. They use that. It's, you know, see, God will lead you. Okay, well, let's zoom out and let's look. Is that what Paul says? In 15, he says this. If you bite and devour one another, watch out. Or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. So again, there. So what is he talking about? It's like in your flesh you want to hate, and you want to do this, and you want to do that. No, but if you are by the Spirit, you will be led to do it differently. See, here he's, again, he's back to holy living. So these Bible verses, guys, get plucked. And they say, see, God can lead you in every little decision that you make. But again, how many decisions do we make, guys? Thousands. 
So how, how, you know, what's your batting average then? If God can lead you, what's your batting average, man? And so is that what he's saying? No, he's saying the Holy Spirit desires to lead us in holy living. Now, here's the crazy part, guys. The more you, the, the, the more you are in holy living, you tend to make wiser decisions. Why? Because your character is being shaped by God's character. And you have more godly wisdom in your shaping your heart and mind. So you're going to make smarter decisions. You see what I'm saying there? You see how it works? And so the more you're operating and being led by the Holy Spirit and holy living, you're going to make better decisions. You're going to make smarter ones. But again, these verses are not that. All right, I got two more for you. What about open and closed doors? Have anyone ever heard of that one before? Well, God opened a door. And I knew this is what he wanted me to do. Or God just closed the door. And I knew that's not what he wanted me to do. Guys, that's a Bible verse. Because Paul says uh, in Acts, he says it a couple times in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, and God opened a door. And God opened a door. So the assumption is you got to pay attention because God sometimes may open doors that you need to take. And sometimes he'll close the door he needs to take. But they use it in this way, meaning... You, you can discern God's will for your life based on the presence or absence of difficulty. You, I know, right? I know you, you process it with me. Are we really hearing? Is that what every time it says, and God opened a door, does that mean that there's no problems? That's what people do. Sometimes they make this assumption. I'm like saying, well, God, you know, uh, I, I was wondering if to move to this other town. And, and you know what? God opened doors. I sold my house in record time. I bought a house in a great deal. Uh, I found a job in two seconds. It was easy. It must be God. Now, could it be? Okay, yeah. But do you see the dangers of assuming God's will for my life is easy? That's how I know. You see the dangers? Because uh, how, how is, has it been easy for Paul as he's been walking in his will as we're looking in the book of Acts? Is his path full of absence of difficulty? No, okay, it is not. And so that's the danger part. Or the other one is, oh, you know, I, I wanted to move, but I couldn't sell my house and, and, and I couldn't find a job. And so I just knew it must be God. God's telling me no. Or it's just called, it's the market, all right? And so maybe it's, a, I don't know. It, it, it could it be, again, but you don't want to make that assumption, guys, that it's the, the present, that God's will for my life tends to be the easy route. Again, remember, what do we, how do we test it? Is your reading plain, painless, pragmatic? Is it easy? Be careful. Because uh, there's a guy, David. He wrote somewhere in the, in the Psalms. He says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me along the path of righteousness. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Did he get lost? Was he at one point? I was like, all right, I'm in the, you know, the still clean waters. And oh, no, where, how did I get here? How did I get here? Who led him to the valley, into the valley of the shadow of death? The same one who led him to still waters, the Lord. You know how I know? Because you're still with me. So that means that sometimes God may lead you into difficulty for a purpose. Doesn't make sense. 
There's the, there's the, the painful, right? There's the painful stuff. And there's the pragmatic. Wait, how is this going to work? How is this going to produce what I wanted to do? That's not pragmatic. This is painful, bro. And, and, and I don't understand. There's the non-plain part of it. I don't understand why I have to go through this. Well, guys, the devil didn't understand why Jesus had to go to the cross. Why, how does dying on a piece of wood forgive my sins? I don't know, but it works. Because if the devil knew that's how it would have worked, he would have kept Jesus from dying. Scripture says that. He would have kept Jesus from dying. And so you don't want to make decisions, guys, based on how easy is it. Oh, no, it's not. I like the way Alicia said it, my wife. She says, again, not every open door is God. Not every closed door is the devil. All right? It just is. Look at this one. You want, I'll give you a good one. If, if, if God gives you open doors, does that mean that you have to take it? Is it a sin to reject one? Well, let's look at Paul. In 2 Corinthians, Paul says this. Now, by the way, I, I just want you to know, every single time you see, the, and God opened a door, all right, every time you see, and God opened a door in the scriptures, it is speaking about God opening um, a door, uh, giving an opportunity for ministry. And God opened a door for us to make an impact. And God opened a door for us to minister. Well, let's look at Paul. He's talking about the Corinthians. He's talking to them. 2 Corinthians 2. He says this. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though, look at this, the Lord opened a door for me. Meaning, I went to Troas and I had an opportunity to make a difference for the kingdom. I had an opportunity to minister. The Lord opened a door for me. Verse 13, I had no rest in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. Instead, I said goodbye to them and left for Macedonia. <gasps> did you catch that? Did you just catch that? Paul said, God opened a door for me for ministry, and I said no. I didn't take it. Nowhere does he say, and then later I repented. So, guys, sometimes, here's what it means. What did Paul do there? See, Paul had an opportunity. Yo, I can make a difference here. But then he started realizing, wait a minute, do I got the right resources to make a difference here? I, I, I can't do this alone. Man, I wish I had my boy Titus. Plus, he was confused about the Corinthian church. He was weighed down about another problem. So he's like saying, listen, I can't give my full attention to this. I need to find my boy Titus and make sure things are how they're going in, in Corinth so that I can move forward. Guys, there's opportunity for ministry all around us to make a difference. Just because you have an opportunity doesn't mean you're supposed to take it. Do you have the resources to do what God is calling you to do? Do you have the, the, men, the, the wisdom to do it? Do you got the team, the squad to do it? You, you see what I'm saying there? So again, if God opens a door, does that mean you got to take it? Well, he didn't. In this case, you're not supposed to take every opportunity depending on where you are. And so you don't feel guilty about that. And so that's an important one. And so open doors, closed doors, fleeces. That's another one. Maybe some of you guys don't know this one, but guys, this happens all the time. Okay? There's a story in the Old Testament where uh, Gideon, he's a, uh, this guy named Gideon. And online, man, I'm going to just, I'm telling you, I'm all over the place. I'm half awake. So guys, thank you for hanging in there. Love, just in case I go, we're going to have to go long. So what we're going to do, 
Um, and I promise not to lie. Yeah, look, if, if y'all are bored, y'all can go. I'm just saying. All right? So it is what it is. But online, when we log off, um, make sure to go to Facebook. And then Alicia on her phone, she'll be able to, you know, catch the end of it there. Because I don't want y'all to miss out on this neither. So anyways, he's, is this practical or not? Is this helpful or not? Yes or no? Because, guys, there's people that make wrong decisions all the time. And so fleeces are one. Gideon heard from the Lord. And Gideon in the Old Testament says, I want you to do this. And then Gideon, you know what happens? He says, well, God, all right, I, heard, I hear you. I hear you. But just to make sure I heard you right, I got this jacket, all right, this fleece thing. I'm going to put it on the ground. And Lord, tomorrow, if I heard you right, confirm it. Meaning, uh, let the ground be wet with dew, but the, it be dry. And, and that was a supernatural thing, right? And so if that happened, I'll know it's you. What happened? The next morning, God did it. The floor was wet. The fleece was dry. All right. All right. Thank you, God. Now I know. No, you know what he says? God, don't be mad. Sounds like a little kid. He says, God, don't be mad at me. But how about now? How about tomorrow? I'm going to put the same fleece out. How about tomorrow? Make the fleece soaking wet and everything else around and everything dry. And then I'll know and that'll be confirmation. I'll know that I heard you right. Okay. Okay. Next morning, the fleece was wet and the floor was dry. I might have got that backwards, but whatever. It happened. So you know what people do? You need to, sometimes for God to confirm, if you want God to confirm something, you got to give him a fleece. You got to put a fleece out there and saying, Lord, if that's you, confirm it. Now, just because God answered Gideon's prayer, is that how it works? Listen, guys, Gideon's use of a fleece was not an act of faith. It was an act of fear. He heard God well. He wanted an out. He, didn't, he wanted an excuse why not to do what God told him to do. He didn't have a problem hearing. He knew. He didn't like what he heard. It was too painful. And he didn't understand how that was going to work. So it checked off the boxes. It wasn't plain. It wasn't pragmatic. And it wasn't painless. And so he wanted an out. And so that's why he did something supernatural. Guys, today we give too many easy fleeces. Lord, I, I don't know where to go. I feel a I feel, uh, desire to move to... Uh, Kansas City or Tampa. And so, Lord, tonight the Chiefs are playing the Buccaneers. And so, Lord, whoever wins, I'll know that's you telling me where I need to move. Guys, people make decisions like that every day. But you know what that is? That's easy. Guys, that's lame. If you're going to give God a fleece, give him a fleece like Gideon. Say, Lord, if you, I'm just confirming, if, if this is what you want me to do, turn my dog into a cat. Because, because, listen, Gideon asked for a supernatural sign. We ask for easy ones. Say, Lord, if this is you, make this chair levitate right now. In Jesus' name. <laughs> that, if you want a fleece, all right, throw that fleece out there. Oh, no. See, guys, no, you, we don't make decisions like that. This was, not out of, this was based out of fear. Even though, here's the beauty of God. Gideon was messed up and asking, but what did God do? God accommodated by his grace to be able to say, listen, bro, yes, that's what I said. God is so gracious and accommodating because there's a lot of you, me included. We've made decisions very poorly and it's worked out in the end. Not because you heard right, it's because God's good. He likes saying, look at this guy. Look at this guy. That's how you're going to make that decision? Ugh. All right, listen, I'm going to help you. But see, do you see the danger there? Are you truly hearing well? So 
I knew this was going to happen, all right? Jet lag got to me, man, and we were going to go overtime. So we had to cut the live feed because of the Spanish service was about to start. So I just want to finish and capture here the rest of what we were talking about. And so when we were looking at, again, those uh, fleeces and doors and open doors, man, God is so gracious in the way he answers and the way he accommodates for us. But we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And we got to make sure that we're listening well. And so aside from open doors and fleeces and things like that, another one that people give is peace. Well, God gave me a peace about it. God gave me a peace about it. And so, okay, I get it. I understand. But I know I'm not the only one who has experienced a peace about a decision. You made the decision, and then the peace takes off, right? And then I'm like, whoa, where'd it go? Where'd it go? <laughs> like, where did that peace go? Or other times in which I wasn't super sure, and I didn't have a peace about it, but I just kind of, it was just weird. Like, I didn't have a peace. I, I had some anxiety, and uh, I just felt I needed to make the decision, and it worked out. So wait, so do I have to have this peace? And is it biblical? And people will say yes. Look at Philippians, some would say, and they would point to Paul. And he would say, when he's talking to the Philippian church, he would tell them in Philippians 4, 7, he would say this phrase. It says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. And they would use that word guard to be able to say, see, the peace, God will give you a peace that it won't make sense why you have it, but it will guard your thinking and your feeling, and it would help you to make decisions in life. So is that what Paul is talking about? Well, when you zoom out at the very beginning, he's talking about, in chapter 3, he's talking about knowing Christ, the importance of knowing Christ, and reaching forward towards the God's goal, right? That, that, that purpose to knowing him and to be transformed by him. And then in chapter 4, he says, so then, in the context of becoming more like Christ, therefore, my uh, dearly beloved, my dearly uh, loved and longed brothers and sisters, my joy, my crown in this manner, in this manner, stand firm, dear friends. In what manner? In the manner of persevering in the faith. And then he goes and says, I urge. These two girls that honestly, I, I feel like I should have pronounced their, their names better, but I've heard different pronunciations, so I'm just going to roll with it. In chapter 4, verse 2, he says, I urge Eudia uh, and I urge Synctishi. Okay, I've heard it many different ways, so I can't make up my mind. To agree in the Lord. Yes, I also ask you, true partners, uh, let me say it again. Yes, I, I ask you, true partners, true partner, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. What's going on? There's these two women who are arguing. They got beef with each other. And it, it looks like it's, they were friends and at one point, and they were actually helping Paul to accomplish his mission and whatever God was trying to do. And we don't know the root cause of the issue, but apparently this church was having problems. They did not know how to resolve this issue. Paul, what should we do? And so in the context of knowing God and persevering in the faith, he's trying to encourage these people to persevere despite the problem that they're experiencing. And so in chapter in verse four, he says, continues, so rejoice in the Lord always. What does that mean? That, that kind of implies that you know, they're, they're not, uh, uh, they're, they're really struggling. Like they have this negative mindset. So he's saying, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Listen, rejoice. Um, some of you have heard that phrase before, never in the context of conflict resolution. 
So it's almost like saying, hey, listen, yeah, there's a lot of bad going on, but you got to not lose sight of the good. It says, let your graciousness, which is how we love one another, how we treat one another, let your graciousness be known to everyone, for the Lord is near. So don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understandings, will guard your hearts and minds. What is this peace? It's Again, it's this peace between brother and sister, kind of the same thing with Galatians. It's a peace between us and God and one another. That is a peace a, that talks about relationships that we are to pursue. And we just don't know how it's going to work out sometimes. But if we, again, are gracious towards one another, especially those who are difficult or going through difficulties, okay, that God can guard our hearts and minds in the way we think about others. You know, I, maybe, there was, maybe there was some people here that are writing these girls off because of how they were treating one another. I don't know. But see, that when we speak that the peace of God, it doesn't guarantee that every time God's going to tell you to do something, you're going to have peace. I mean, you can kind of argue and look back uh, and say, well, did Jesus have peace about the cross? Well, he had a lot of anxiety, right, the, in the Garden of Gethsemane as he is stressing out so much about what he's going to experience. He's sweating blood. Now, he had peace knowing that this is what I'm supposed to go. This is what I'm supposed to do. But again, he, he was emotional. He was, uh, he was so emotional in that moment. And that's important for us to consider. All right? That's important for us to consider because look again at 2 Corinthians when we talked about how Paul says to the Corinthian church, God gave me an open door. He gave me an open door for ministry, meaning an opportunity to make a difference. But he says, I had no rest. I had no peace in my spirit because I did not find my brother Titus. So I said goodbye to them and left. So look at that. So if, if God opens doors and gives us peace, then what do we do with this verse? When he says that I, God opened a door for me, but I had no peace. So would God ever open a door and not give peace? Or, or would God ever close a door and give peace? Like, what do we do with this verse? Why did Paul not have peace? And so when we look at this decision in Corinthians, what he's saying is, listen, I saw I had an opportunity to make a kingdom difference, but I did not have the resources to be effective. And not only that, I was actually, you know, the reason why he was distracted with Titus is because he was waiting to hear back about what happened in Corinth. Okay, because there was this missing letter where Paul just unleashes on these guys. And he was curious to know, how are my, how are my brothers and sisters in Corinth doing? So he was, he was not in the, in the right mental space in order to do that. Uh, so he said no to an opportunity of ministry because he had no peace. And what was the cause of the peace? His lack of resources and focus to accomplish it. And so, see, that's an important thing. Like, peace, just like open doors, doesn't mean that every time God wants you to do something that you'll never have a, an emotional counter. Like, you're just going to know, all right, that there's, it's always going to be great. Because be careful with that. Because what do we do then with Jeremiah 17, 9, when it says, the heart is deceitful among all things. Who can understand it? You know, even there, we have scriptural relevance and scripture pointing to us and reminding us, be careful with your feelings. Don't trust your feelings. That could be why some of you maybe had peace because you thought it out. You know, what if, what if some of you experienced peace in your life and then it went away? I'm like, oh, wait a minute, what happened? I had peace. Why don't I have peace anymore? Could it be that the peace that you had 
was more rooted in the fact that you thought out every scenario and you really, you prayed about it, you thought about it, and you felt like, yeah, this is good, this sounds good, this feels good. And then once you made a decision to realize, uh-oh, I'm out of bounds. God, you know, I, 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 for whatever reason, God didn't give me a piece. Uh, he didn't, you know, remove that piece before. Well, you know, what's going on now? And so, see, that's so, you got to be so careful, which brings me back to the, the last point that people really deal with is their experience. They say, Pastor, okay, I get it. But you know what? I've had dreams. I've, there's just been nudgings and impressions and just things. There, there's been uh, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. There's been desires, open doors, closed doors. That, man, you can't tell me that wasn't God. And you're right. I can't. The reason why I can't is because experience is really hard to discern. See, if there was a Bible verse, right, and we were contesting about a Bible verse, does that Bible verse mean that? I was like, well, let's sit down. Let's go turn to the chapter, turn to the page. And let's see. Well, you have said, well, I had an experience with God last week. What we can't do is turn back time and then look inside your soul and examine and exegete your experience. We can't do that. And so I'm not here to say. I'm not here to say that. But I am here to help you encourage. Rethink some of those experiences. Because maybe you had an experience but, and, and you've attributed too much to it. Or maybe you remember it poorly. You know, it's like, and that's kind of weird to say. You know, listen, I've had experiences in the past that when I tell the story when I was a kid and my dad is in the room and my mom's in the room, it's like, hey, that's not exactly how it happened. I've had experiences in which a friend or my wife or someone was like, well, that's not exactly how it went, but that's how I remember it. You know, with time, you know, maybe I remember things differently or people do that. And so experience is, is great. But again, remember, look at here. You can't, Gideon could not use his experience to be able to say, see, God spoke to me and this is how I'm supposed to do it. Okay, no. Because sometimes you may have experienced the grace of God despite, and this is going to be a hard word to say, ignorance, or just despite your understanding at the moment. You know, things worked out, and that was God. And so experience, we have to be very, very, very cautious with. And if there was anyone who could speak into experience, it would be Peter. Because out of the people in the New Testament, man, Peter had experiences that not all the apostles had. Peter was able to see and walk on water with Jesus. Peter was able, and he was there when, uh, what was the other one? Oh my gosh, Peter was there, and the only one, well, it was Peter, James, and John, to see Jesus transfigured on the mountain. And Peter actually was there and heard the audible voice of the Father, unlike other people have. He talks about it in Second Peter chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. In this section, I'm going to read 16 and 20. It says the trustworthy prophetic word. Peter says, 2 Peter 16, chapter 1, 16 through 20. 21 actually. says this. For we do not follow cleverly contrived myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For we received honor and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him, Jesus, from a majestic glory, saying, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice when it came from heaven while we were with him on the mountain. We also have the prophetic word strongly confirmed, and you will do well to pay attention to it as to a lamp shining in the dark, in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Above all, you know this. No, pro no prophecy of scripture comes from the prophet's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by the will of man. 
Instead, men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Spirit. Now, notice he says not those people. He's at the back end. They spoke from God carried by the Spirit. Who's he speaking about? Those who wrote the Scriptures. And he's including, uh, he does include Paul and recognize that as well. So you know what Peter's saying? Literally, Peter just said, listen, I was there. I experienced the voice of God. But in some translations of verse 19, it says, but you know what we, uh, I read, we also have a prophetic word strongly confirmed. Another verse says, we have something even more sure than that. Now, what is more sure than an experience? He says, we have a prophetic word that is more sure than an experience. And what is that prophetic word? The scriptures, the Holy Bible. And this is crazy to say, because again, what Paul is, what Peter is saying is the same thing I just said a minute ago. I'm just kind of biting from him. Experience is great, but the written word of God is actually more, more sure. And we can be more confident in that. Why? Because you and I, our memories can go bad. You may think you experienced something, you heard something, you saw something and you attributed it to God. But again, look at how we've been talking about. There's some plain Bible verses that we can read and misunderstand. And it is very possible, just like the people in Acts 21, who heard God and misunderstood. You could have some of these experiences that you can have, not to take them away from you, but to kind of <laughs> to some of these experiences you had, it's hard for you to even know if you remember it accurately. But you know what doesn't change? God's word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I, I didn't mention this live. Um, I was running out of time, and so, but I, I'm glad I, I got a chance to communicate this now. You can say, well, but then don't I need a prophetic word for my destiny? Don't I need a, a prophetic word to accomplish what God's plan for my life is? P- Paul needed it. Apparently, Paul needed an, a word of encouragement, a word of knowledge to tell him that, hey, in your future, there's afflictions and, you know, chains await you. But this is the way I want you to go. So do you need a prophetic word in order to do the work? No, you don't. That's going to be a little shocking for me to say that. But I'm, I'm just, uh, I say this with all humility. I do. And fear and trembling because uh, I say it with fear and trembling. Because I, I go back to Paul in 2 Timothy that the scriptures, the word of God is, is enough to, to help you to do the work of God. The word of God is enough for you to do the work of God. Now, does it mean that God can give you a word of knowledge, a word of wisdom that can aid you in that? Yes, and we've talked about how to test it, right? But I want you to know, you don't need a fresh new download so that you can hear and know and discern what is God's plan and purpose for your life. You don't need that because you know why? You already have it. Just because Pete got one, just because Paul got one, doesn't mean you have to. That's the narrative normative um, focus here. Paul got one. Doesn't mean you do. We, we don't see Luke saying, you know, how he got one or how Agabus or anyone else. There was just something unique that Paul, God was doing through Paul. And so here's the thing. You do have a truth. You do have something, a prophetic word for your life. Peter just said it. We have a prophetic word strongly confirmed, and that's the scriptures. Guys, the scriptures tell you, Jesus himself says, okay, you will have difficulties in this world, but do not fear for I have overcome the world. I, have, I, I say these things that you may have peace. God, guys, listen, look at the book of Revelation and we see we have a prophetic word about what's going to happen. We have a prophetic word of what could happen to those who follow Jesus. It sounds similar to Paul's, 
And if you if if that's not enough for you, then again, my brother, my sister, listen. Do you see how that could be a problem there? You could want this so bad that you could misinterpret something and put God's name on it. Listen, <laughs> if by the end of this, let me let me just kind of wrap up with this uh, with this thing. Uh, by the end of this, when it comes to hearing God, doesn't it sound like it's hard, right? If if you've made it this far, congratulations. All right, I, I gotta accommodate you there. Uh, not accommodate. I gotta applaud you. But if, if you are saying to yourself, man, hold on, pastor, hearing God is hard. If the way that you're putting it, it sounds hard. That's not like the books that I've read or the, some of the pe- preachers that I hear that says, here's five steps to hearing God's voice for your life today. Here's how to receive a prophetic word for your life today. This, that, this sounds hard. I don't like it. And so, see, that right there tells you enough. I'm like saying, I understand. And I'm not saying any ill will about someone else because I don't know their hearts. I can't judge them. I, I believe there's a lot of these people I, I respect and in the sense of I feel like they're genuine. They're not trying to just blow smoke up your butt. But the reality is that hearing is hard. Hearing God is hard because we have hard hearts. It's hard because a lot of times we are only listening for what we want to hear. That's the problem. Hearing God is hard because we want to listen for what's plain, what's pragmatic, and what's painless. All right. What is the easiest thing, the simple way that's going to work with little effort? That's what I want. And that's why hearing God is hard, because a lot of times when God is giving you the other, you think, oh, no, that's not God. That's not God. That can't be. Again, for the Holy Spirit to change you, he has to challenge you. And one of the roles that the Holy Spirit does is to lead us into all truth, Jesus says. And you know what that means? The Holy Spirit leads you into the truth. It doesn't mean that you, he leads you to know it. He leads you to be transformed by it. He leads you into the truth, really into the mystery of the truth, because you and I can't fully know the truth. And so he, he leads us into it, not to know it, but be transformed by it. He leads us into the truth so that we may... Be, uh, he exposes us to the truth so that he can make us more true. So that he can make us to reflect Christ more. All of these things are all about holy living more as decision making. And so you're saying, so that, are you telling me that I can't ask God for anything, Pastor? I can't ask God for wisdom on making decisions? Oh, no, no, I didn't say that. Because James says, if those who seek wisdom ask, but ask you know, without double-mindedness, ask firmly. And so, so it, at this point, it almost sounds like double talk. No, no, no. But again, what wisdom are we seeking out? For what purpose? James 1, 5 through 8 speaks of, in the context of the royal law, to love your neighbor. If you ask the Lord for wisdom on how to love your neighbor, God will answer that prayer. That's what he's talking about. That's what it means there. And again, that's the problem, guys, because the reason why it's so hard for us to hear God is because we want to hear him for ourselves. We want to hear him for ourselves. But let me challenge you. Yes, I know hearing God is hard, but let me challenge you. Hear in order to help the hurting. Listen to the word of scripture. Listen to God so that you may help the hurting, not yourself. If you're asking for wisdom so that you can know what's the easiest route that I can do, how can I do this and do that, and it's very inward focus, you're not going to hear well. You and I should hear in order to help the hurting, not in order to help ourselves. And so, yes, hearing God is hard, so keep listening. 
When you listen to scripture, read it again. Zoom in, zoom out. Keep listening. Keep living. When you hear that scripture again, don't assume you've already known it all. Keep listening. Keep listening while living. And compare all things. Test all things to God's word, to his moral standard, to godly wisdom. In community, in wise counsel, don't just seek for the plain, pragmatic, painless things. No, don't. Okay? Now, I don't want to end here because it sounds very depressing. Hearing God is hard. Good luck with that. No, I don't want to end there. But I do want to encourage you with this. Hearing God is hard, but it's not impossible. The more the Holy Spirit wants to lead you into this truth in Scripture to form you and shape you. But let me leave you with this. Hearing God is hard, but it's not hard for God to hear you. It is not hard for God to hear you. When you pray and when you lift up your voice with humility, brokenness, God always hears the heart of those who cry. He can hear your heart cry. That's how good his hearing is, that you don't even have to verbalize. You don't even have to verbalize anything, and God can hear your heart cry. Now, it doesn't mean that we, don't, we shouldn't verbalize things. We should. You know, there's, you know, what do you do with those who cannot, who are mute and deaf and can't communicate? Well, God can hear their heart. But I want to encourage you with that. It's hard to hear God because he wants to shape you and mold you. But it is not hard for God to hear you. So we should end the same way that the apostles, and, and, and not the apostles, but the word Acts 21 ends. Well, let, the, let, let God's will be done. In the end, they didn't know. They didn't have peace about Paul leaving. They had no open doors, no more confirmations. So in the end, they're saying, you know, Paul can't be convinced. So they said, God, all right, look, let your will be done. Notice the your. See, there's going to be times that you're just not going to know. And this is, this is acting and living by faith. Lord, let your will be done, not mine. Let your will be done. And for, you, for God's will to be done, you have to be willing to lay down yours. That's what matters. And when you lay down your life, you know what God's will does? It's accomplished. Number one, you're saved. God's will is for you to be saved and sanctified. To be saved and to grow in learning how a saved person lives. And that's according to the, the, the prophetic word that we have in Scripture. You want a prophetic word? You got one. You got one. So examine it. Dive in on it. Keep going. It is a beautiful and wonderful thing. And so if you're hurting, if you're hurting, I want you to know. If you, I want you hurting, I want you to know. God hears you. Lift up your voice. Call on his name. There is not one person who does not, that, that calls on God and says, Lord, will you forgive me? Will you save me? Do you love me? God hears that heart cry. God hears that heart cry. If you're going through uh, something difficult, a, a pain, an emotion, and you don't know how to express it, just express it. God never turns, never turns away and never plugs his ears to those with a broken, contrite, honest heart. It is not hard for him to hear you. And that should be encouraging. That is a prophetic word that you can hold on to, that you can hold on to that makes a difference in your life. Hold on to Jesus. Trust in Jesus Christ and the truth of who he is, and he will transform your life.